everyone? Ooh. Just as just as we we're worshiping now, I just felt God just want to highlight to us that that we're in His sights. <laughs> he's that He's on the move amongst us. Isn't that exciting to know that the God of the universe, who created all things, is interested in us? He has a good plan for us as a church, as a church family. And I just felt God is just is just here and He's with us and He is He's amongst us. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good that He is about a good work in us? He's, uh, the, word, the word says that he set you apart for good works, all right? He, he set you apart for, for good stuff, all right? He's got blessings on your life that he wants you to walk in that would just make your ears tingle if you could see it all now. And I just feel like it's time to just lay hold of, of what God has for us and an expectation because he's waiting for us to do that. And I look around this room and I just see a bunch of people who are just blessed by a loving heavenly father and who just have amazing things happening in your life that as you align your thoughts with his thoughts, you're going to really run with them. Do we believe that as a church? So, I mean, I look around this room and, you know, like, you know, I just see so many good things that are happening, you know? Like we've got Monique, she's starting a business course I mean, God's going to breathe on that. And I just feel like that entrepreneurial spirit in you, and God's going to, don't, don't belittle that. That's going to be an exciting thing uh, for you to step into. You know, we've got, we've got um, Jan and Marianne, and they're, you know, they're going abroad, and, and they've got, you know, you guys have got, there's a lot in you in terms of, you know, showing people about caring for the elderly, and not just what you guys are doing, but you're going to unlock other people's kingdom work by the way that you model that. And you're going to help them to see a pathway, a blueprint for them to step out in their calling yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, isn't that exciting? Yeah. Uh, look, Alex, I just thought, hey, look, you're an intercessor. I just see that over you. You're someone who prays, and God's going to unlock a unique favor in your life that as you pray, you're going to see things happen. So I just pray that like, you're just going to get on your knees, and, and the Father listens to you, and, and you're going to see things happening in your life. I mean, this is good stuff, right? Why don't you just turn to the person next to them and just encourage them that God is on your life. It's good stuff. It's good stuff, eh? Ezekiel, you were telling me about your football on, on Saturday. I'm going to embarrass you a little bit now, right? So there's Ezekiel. Ezekiel, you're, you're a defender in your football team. Okay, I felt like I've got some verses to share from Ezekiel this morning. And I just feel like the Father would say he wants you to use his words. He wants you to use his words in defense of his people and to get alongside them and to nurture them. So just grow in your love for the Bible and, and, just, and just express that loving heart for people as you do that. All right? There's good things happening in this church, and the Father's eyes are on us as a people. He is breathing in us. He is working in us. All right? that is, it's just, he, we have a loving Father who, who watches over us and has good things. I mean, look at that. So strong. So strong. Yeah, we have a loving Father. I don't know my own strength sometimes. God has blessed me with strength like Samson moment just then. Um, it's broken. But what, <laughs> what loving father looks at his children and just goes, oh, I mean, <laughs> they're right. You know, I mean, I look at all three of my kids and I'm like, I would do anything for you. I will support you. I will love you. That is the stance of the father towards you for whatever you've got going on in your life. All right, so he wants us to step out in things of the kingdom, and we're going to look at how we do that a little bit this morning. Uh, so we are carrying on our Nehemiah series, um, and we're in chapter 5. And so just to quickly recap, we've been learning uh, in this series that the Israelites were the children of Abraham, 
And Abraham's family had great promises over their life. They had promises that, that through them, the world would be put right and that all nations on earth would be blessed through them. Right? There was a curse over creation because of Adam and his sin. God talks to Abraham and says, actually, that will be undone because through you, I'll bless the whole world. And so that, they had a great calling, great promises over them as a, as a nation. But as we've been learning, that, you know, the whole plan seemed to kind of head south pretty quickly, didn't it? They were unfaithful to God. They got carried away into exile, into, into Babylon. And it seemed like all the promises were lost. It seemed like this great purpose that God had for them was, was a bygone thing. But as Sam shared with us last week, God's faithfulness is bigger than our failures. Now, his faithfulness is bigger than our weaknesses. He, he achieves stuff even despite us sometimes. So whatever God is stirring in you, he will bring to, to pass even despite you sometimes. That's how much he loves you. And so what he has spoken over your life, it's not a performance thing, all right? It is a grace thing that he is doing in you, and he will bring that into being even despite, you know, it's like, it's like almost like God's purpose for you. Like, you know, you, you go bowling and you've got the gutters up. Like, you can bowl a curveball. He's just going to keep bouncing it by his grace and you're going to get a strike. You know, that is God's purposes and plans for his people. And so we see that in, in, in the story of uh, Israel. And so God stirred the heart of Persian kings, of all people, and they began to, in waves, move back to Jerusalem and re-inhabit the land. And as they began to do that, their hopes were high that God would redeem these promises and purposes and bring them right back into what he had for them. And uh, I've been really encouraged by this Nehemiah series. I don't know how you guys have found it, but I've just been immensely encouraged. It's, I think it's incredibly relevant for us as a church because we too have this calling on our lives as a people to bring about blessing around us, don't we? I mean, we see so many examples of, of cursing and of, uh, you know, of just stuff around us that just is not of God. And we long, in a way, to bring about God's blessing and purposes in those situations. So alphas, for example, people who don't know Christ. We long to introduce them to Christ and, and show, him how, show them how much, uh, how much he loves them. We have stirrings to serve the poor. Eh? We have stirrings to get out in the business world and, and, and see godly business practices transform communities. We, we, we just have so much stuff bubbling away in us, and that's right, because our DNA as God's children is to bless the nations. That through us, all families on earth will be blessed. Right? That is our calling in the kingdom, and so like uh, which was the calling for Israel as well. So very relevant uh, for us. Um, but what we've found, I mean, we, you know, I'm recapping a few weeks here, but um, we, we, we've seen the Israelites overcome great opposition. Uh, we, you know, we, 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 saw, we heard from Pete about the sand ballots on our shoulder telling us you're no good or telling us that this is not going to happen or telling us we're not worthy. And that's a great preach to go back on and, uh, and listen to online uh, in terms of overcoming opposition um, because God's purposes will, will stand firm in our life. Uh, but this chapter, this chapter 5, is a little bit different. It's not so much about opposition from the outside, but it's about troubles within the camp. It's about obstacles that they faced uh, within. I've just been learning a, a, a whole lot from it. And so what we see in Nehemiah chapter 5 is that there was a great famine in the land. 
And this famine resulted in ridiculous living prices. Right? Sounds a bit like Auckland, maybe. You know, just like really expensive to live. Well, this was that on the extreme to the point that they had to take out mortgages on their land and on their houses just to put food on the table. But worse than that, when that ran out, they had no choice but to sell their own children into slavery in order to pay their debts. Right? So they're there, they're rebuilding the walls, they're, you know, they want to step out and acts of the kingdom and see all the purposes and promises come to pass. Meanwhile, they are selling their own children to pay for their debts to put food on the table. I mean, it was a tough time for them. But the, the crazy thing was is that this wasn't at the hands of you know, foreigners or some big offshore bank somewhere. No, this was at the hands of their own people. Their own people were giving them their people uh, loans and then uh, well, forced them to high, pay high interest rates. The thing was just a bit of a mess. And so they, they were a people that had been redeemed from a foreign land only now to be enslaving one another. I mean, it was just madness. And so Nehemiah rightly uh, lines them all up and says, look, guys, this isn't right. And this story, this chapter, for me, highlights or showcases an interesting tension that is present in Nehemiah uh, that I hadn't seen before uh, studying it for this preach. And uh, it's a tension that I want to just camp on a little bit and, and just unpack because there's like, it's like a one-point sermon this morning, but um, just unpack it a little bit because it is for our instruction. So to get to this tension, I want to just take a few steps back and introduce you to... Um, these three characters here. Now, just as a little bit of a background, Ezra and Nehemiah, so Ezra is the book before Nehemiah, Ezra and Nehemiah are actually thought by a lot of people to be one single book uh, with three movements about three characters and repeating the, same, uh, repeating the sort of same formula of them being about a great work, overcoming opposition, and then having a bit of an anticlimactic finish slash slightly disappointing ending. You know, like your favourite movie works like or maybe not your favourite movie, but you've got those movies and they're really brilliant and the last scene just like leaves you like, oh, you know, I can't give an example, but maybe Lonnie or someone can help me out later on. But, uh, and so we, we meet this guy, Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? And so he returned with the first exiles in Ezra and he was tasked with rebuilding the temple. And so there he was, um, rebuilding the temple. But what happened was, the people that had seen the glory of the first temple, the sort of older lot around them, saw this new build, and they were, they were disappointed. They actually were, 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 they were weeping because they were like, you know, this isn't quite as glorious as, as the first. And then later, despite them rebuilding the temple, we, we, we see them misusing the temple anyway. And then we move on to Ezra, and he's a bit of a Bible nerd, and so he gets there and he's unpacking the, the, the Jewish laws and customs which they should follow, and, um, and so, and he actually quite heavy-handedly deals with, with, you know, social issues in Israel to the point where he forces uh, a whole bunch, uh, you know, a whole bunch of forced divorce, divorces, with all the, for everyone who had married a pagan uh, wife, and sends all the children away, even though we know that, you know, God doesn't like divorce and loves children, but that was Ezra's solution, was to, uh, to send them all away. And despite this, at the end of Nehemiah, we see that actually they're all marry, intermarrying with pagan nations once again. Again, uh, a bit of a strange anticlimactic ending. 
And that sets us up for Nehemiah. And so there he is, he's tasked with rebuilding the walls, and he's about a great work, and he's busy. But even before the walls get rebuilt, things are already starting to unravel. They're selling each other into slavery again. So it's interesting, really. All three of these men worked hard to rebuild, to restore, to put things right. And God was clearly supporting them and blessing them. But each of them faced a bit of a disappointing conclusion. And, you know, in in chapter 5, Nehemiah, he sorts the situation out. But you look at how Nehemiah ends in chapter 13, and it's a very odd ending to it. It's a very odd ending to the the book. I mean, the the walls are rebuilt, the temple's rebuilt, the social structures are all rebuilt. And so Nehemiah thinks, sweet, everything's in place. This is good. God's promises, you know, are going to be rediscovered in us. The revival is going to happen. All this good stuff's going to happen. So he goes back to Persia. Now, after a short return, he comes back, and it's just like everything is a mess. It's like, imagine, you know, you got, I've got uh, three young children. Imagine if you were just to step outside the house, talk to your neighbor for five minutes. I tell you what, the damage that can be done before you get back in, it's like the whole place is turned upside down. It's like... Nehemiah had everything in place. He comes back and everything has turned to a mess. And so he finds that the, the temple that's been newly rebuilt is, is being misused. They turn it into a private apartment for a connected family member of one of the priests. All right? um, he finds the temple activities being neglected. He finds people not following the Sabbath. Even the, his beloved walls are being used as a marketplace on the Sabbath day. Uh, he finds... People are intermarrying back into uh, pagan nations again and being influenced by horrible practices of false gods. And he does what any godly man would do. He goes into a rage. So there he is there, that's Nehemiah, going into an angry rampage. He beats people up. You read it. This is actually how Nehemiah finishes. This is the book that we're studying at the moment, right? He, He beats people up. He yells at people. He pulls out people's beards, rips out their hair. There's a few beards here. I'd like maybe Dan. I'll go for yours first. Right. He he pulls out people's uh, hair, and and then he tag he signs off with this prayer. Oh Lord, remember this in my favor. That's odd, isn't it? I mean, okay, let's talk about rebuilding the walls and a kingdom activity. But there's an elephant in the room, and if we don't address this tension, uh, we'll, we'll miss a valuable lesson. Uh, for us today. You see, what I've been learning is that these three men, Nehemiah included, worked very hard to renew the right external circumstances. They worked hard to create the right environment within which Israel could fulfill their purposes. But at the end of their day, all their hard work hadn't dealt or wasn't able to deal with core issues of the heart. Right? They put the external stuff in place, they returned from exile, but in a sense they weren't actually fully redeemed. They weren't fully restored because there was a core issue. Now, why did they get exiled? Was it because they weren't following, they weren't following the external stuff? Well, yeah, maybe, but it's deeper than that. They had a stubborn and unresponsive heart to God. They had issues of the heart which resulted in the exterior stuff not looking right. So just to move back in the land and put all that external structures and strategies and things in place, it wasn't enough because it hadn't dealt with the issues of 
the heart. What primarily was needed was an inner transformation, one of the heart. They needed an inner work in here before they could fulfill their calling to be a blessing out there. Are you following? So that's, and this is what God uh, spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey, obey my regulations. In other words, the father's like, hey guys, you need a heart transplant. That's what you need. You don't just need to obey me and follow my rules. What you need is an inner work in here. And look, I've got to be honest with you, that's been the story of the gospel in my life. See, as Christians, we believe that the cross, Jesus' death and resurrection, fulfilled this great redemption, this final act of restoration that Nehemiah and Ezra and Zerubbabel could only dream of. And my story is that, you know, once upon a time, I was separate from God. I had sin and shame in my life. But then when I accepted Jesus into my life, he completely cleansed me. He washed me clean. He, all of my sin is nailed up on that cross. Not only my sin, but my guilt and my shame, all the things I'm embarrassed about. It's, it's all nailed up there. And now I am washed clean in his eyes. I am completely holy and pure and spotless before him. That's truth in my life. Now, because I'm made holy, I can be a, God, I am, God is happy to dwell in me. And so he, gives me, he gave me the gift of the Holy Spirit when I started walking with him. Now, every good thing that's happened in my life, every way that he has done an inner transformation of, of my heart has been by the Spirit in here. I mean, I used to swear really, really bad and joke, you know, all sorts of grotty kind of ways. And, 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 and God didn't fix it up by saying, man, here's seven, you know, tips to uh, healthier verbal life. No, it's like, no, no, he did a transformation in here. Yes. And now I can work in the most, you know, challenging of environments when it comes to foul language at times. Yeah. It doesn't impact me in the slightest because God's done a work in here. I mean, as a teenager, I used to, I would face the same struggles and temptations that every bloke would have in terms of, you know, sexual immorality or, or you know, just that, all that sort of stuff you can put in a big basket over here if you know, what, you know what it looks like. Like, God didn't help me and free me in that area because, you know, I had, uh, you know, these rules in my life. No, no, he did a work in here. Yes. And so now if I look or think, or, oh, it's like, oh, God, you know, and I run to Psalm 51 and say, Lord, create a pure heart in me. That is the Christian walk. And that is my testimony, as I'm sure it is many people's. And that's our sort of advantage over these blokes here, is that the Spirit lives in us and transforms us from within. Amen? Now, the outward structures, actually, I'll get to that in a minute. Um, the book of Acts, that's what I was getting on to. We see this in the book of Acts, don't we? People receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and then hearts are transformed. And then once those hearts are transformed, what do they do? Sit in the upper room? No, no, they go and change the world. <laughs> they go and, you know, turn the whole world upside down. That's what they go and do once their inner transformation has taken place. And the most extreme example of this it would be Saul. Now, if you look in the book of Acts, Saul is a Christian hater. 
He wants to destroy the church. You know, that's, that's, that's hatred, isn't it? So did he have love and joy? And, you know, he wasn't walking down the street going, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Hey, no, no, he was, he was a man of hatred. And he would go around and drag people out of their houses and he had Stephen stoned and, and the rest of it. And then boom, he meets Jesus and he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately he goes to the very people that he was about to persecute and he serves them and he loves them and he, and he hangs out with them and he gives the rest of his life to loving God's people and, 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 and giving up so much for them, endless beatings and so on, shipwrecks. He, he, his calling on his life from God is, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. <laughs> it's like, is that your calling? Anyone, anyone feel like they want to respond to that word today? Uh, no, no one. Um, so what happened? Well, an inner transformation of the heart took place. Now, all those outward structures and strategies and the rebuilding of the walls and the bricks and mortar and, you know, the lighting and, oh, you know, the band, and, you know, all the stuff, the outward stuff is important, but it follows a work of the Spirit. It follows the transformation of the heart. And so in the book of Acts, we see, wow, people are being saved. And, you know, oh, what about the widows? We've got heaps of them now. We need to look after them. All right, let's get some deacons in place. Let's, you know, let's serve them. It's, it's after, it follows a transformation. Whereas Nehemiah, he wasn't blessed with that because he put the external stuff in place, but the inner transformation hadn't taken place yet because Jesus hadn't died and risen from the dead. I think the relevance for us as a church today is, is massive, isn't it? And it's this balance here. You see, we long to be kingdom people, don't we? We're buzzing with all sorts of things. We long to impact nations. We long to change the world for Jesus. You know, we long to get out there and, 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 and help with poverty or teaching or palliative care or all these things. We long to do those things. We long to bless the nations. But you see, without a truly renewed community, walking in freedom and love and inner transformation, our efforts will be short-lived and we'll end up pulling out each other's hair, all right? I'm pretty safe from that, so I could probably get away with quite a bit before you start pulling my hair. But the point is the same, right? Without a truly renewed community, the kingdom stuff is unsustainable. There's a good book, on, uh, you know, um, Simon Holly, he's got a good, good book, Simon Holly from Bedford. It's called Sustainable Power. Stepping out in the kingdom, but how do you sustain that? Well, have a look. Get rid of the rocks of your heart, unforgiveness, uh, you know, orphan-heartedness, all these things. It's the inner work of the, of the Spirit that enables us to sustain what we're doing. Amen? And it's this balance, this, 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 this walking this line, which is kind of why we chose to look at Nehemiah in the first place. It's, yes, absolutely kingdom, but also it's community. It's inner transformation in order to sustain that. You see, the Father has spoken words over us as a church that we are to build something not for our, just for our kids, but for our grandchildren and their grandchildren too. Now, I'm not a big history, church history buff, but chatting with people are, at, I, from what I've heard, at times in this nation, it's like big, amazing moves of God happen and these big churches spring up, but it's like 10 or 20 years later, you look at it, it's like, what happened to that move? Now, where did that happen? I know, but... but <laughs> Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. God's economy is not a boom and bust economy. 
It is, a, it, is a, it is this mountain that is growing until all the other mountains are dwarfed by this kingdom, isn't it? It's not like the construction industry that I work in, which by definition has a boom and bust cycle. And the only question is how big are the booms going to be, how big are the busts going to be? You know, it's not like the kingdom is not like that at all. He wants to grow something steadily in us that can steadily grow and will be here for my daughter's grandchildren. Amen? And the key to that is this balance of kingdom, absolutely, but also an inner transformation in our hearts. I want to read you a few... uh, Actually, I'll read you this one here. I've been reading a good book recently. I think you'll like this one. This is by a rabbi. Uh, He says, When I was young... I set out to change the world. Can anyone, you know, anyone relate to that? Anyone want to change the world? Come on, be honest. Be honest. Come on, be honest. I set out to change the world. Uh, when I grew older, I perceived that this was too ambitious. <laughs> so I set out to change my state, or my country, you might say. This too, I realized as I grew older, was too ambitious. So I set out to change my town. When I realized I could not even do this, I tried to change my family. Now, as an old man... I know I should have started by changing myself. If I had started with myself, maybe then I would have succeeded in changing my family, my town, state, and who knows, maybe even the world. And look, I'm going to be honest with you. I can relate to this. There's there's been times I'm like, I look around and I see everyone's problems but my own. And if I would just start with my own problems and deal with my issues of my heart, then I might be equipped to deal with those things. All right, just as a silly little example, this is, uh, I opened up, the, I emptied the, um, the uh, what do you call it, washing machine, uh, dishwasher, yeah, that, that silver or white thing in the, in the, in the kitchen, us blokes kind of look at it and go, what's that thing, and keep walking. Now, so I emptied that this morning, and there were like 20 uh, cups in the, in the top drawer, like of the glass cups. And I yell out to Becca and I say, Hey, I think we need to do something about these cups because everyone is drinking it and it's like, um, and, and just putting them in. Can't we just write our names on them and, and, and then just have one cup each per day? And Becca just looked at me and goes, well, me, Lucy, Evelyn, and Elliot, we all drink out of our drink bottles every day. So the only person that puts cups in the, in the, in the dishwasher is you. <laughs> Talk about a burn, eh? But it's the truth. And sometimes we're so keen and preoccupied to fix other people that we don't realize the mess in our own heart that is disabling us to actually deal with anybody else anyway. You know what I mean? And I've been learning a lot about it's not just the problem, but it's how you deal with the problem, isn't it? And how we deal with the problem depends on how we are in our own emotional health and well-being and how we are in our inner person, aren't we? You know, so if I see something, even in church life, and I'm like, that's not good, I'm going to tackle that head on, and then you lack the grace to deal with that, it's like, I've been there. We need to start in here first and work in the inner work of the Spirit in order to, you know, reach out to other people. It's interesting, the gifts of the Holy, uh, sorry, the fruit of the Holy Spirit is all about in here, isn't it? Peace, patience. Love, self-control. Do you know what one of the main reasons Paul unpacks the fruit of the Spirit? 
is that we might be unified. You read Ephesians and have a look. It's like a unity of the Spirit is, 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 en- is enabled because of the work of the Spirit in us. The Spirit works in us that we might be better at community, but it doesn't start out there. It starts in here. It starts with us. You know what I mean? That's why it's so important for it to start in here. So just a little encouragement. If you are like me, filling a dishwasher full of glasses that are actually your own. Amen? Amen. <laughs> How am I doing for time? What is the time? Sorry. Anyone yell out? Sorry? 12 o'clock now. All right. Now, I just want to finish. We've got, give me five minutes. Give me five minutes. All right? Because I actually I need you guys for this, this now. I think I've unpacked my one-point sermon in terms of an inner work there and an outer work there. But what I want to do is, is I want us to chat amongst ourselves. I've got a little task for you guys, all right? I want you to, I want you to turn to your neighbor or get in a little group, twos or threes, depending where you're sitting, and I want you just to share one way, all right? Not a three-point sermon, just one way that you can grow in this next season or us as a church, grow in our inner transformation of the heart, all right? Just one way. So, for example, it might be, oh, look, God's highlighting orphan thinking in my life, and I just I, I want to grow more in, in my understanding as being a son. Just one way. Or it might be uh, inner freedom, physical or emotional healing. So, are you guys up for this? All right? So, just, just have a think about it. I'll give you guys a minute or two. Just, just have a think and say, what is one way that I can step into uh, a greater inner transformation of my heart? You do that now? Is that clear, rough enough? Sweet? All right, give you guys a couple minutes. Off you go. All right, I'll give you I'll give you one more minute. All right, 30 seconds. Final thoughts? All right, well done, guys. Now, stay in your groups because I've got another exercise for you. Now, that's the inner work, right? Now, I want to ask you about the outer stuff. Now, this is stuff we get buzzing about pretty quickly, isn't it? An outer work of the kingdom, kingdom impact. What is one thing that you are buzzing with at the moment that as a church we can step out in. All right? It might be palliative care. It might be, uh, it might be serving the poor. It might be that new business venture. It might be uh, alpha courses, whatever it is. What is just one thing that you as a church just think, wow, this next season, this is just where, this is what I'm buzzing with, right? But here's the challenge. What I want you to do is link that back to that inner work of the spirit and why that's. So what is that one kingdom thing that you're excited with 
But what is one way, what is one connection back to an inner work of the Spirit and why is that important? Is, is that all right? Are you guys following that? Sort of? Maybe? Okay, so I'll give you another example, all right? I want to step out in the business community and I want to start a business and I want to make lots of money so that I can serve the poor, all right? But if I can't deal with people or do conflict well, then I'm going to make more enemies and friends and I'm going to put my foot in a lot of mouths. So I want to grow in my ability to emotionally deal with conflict well and that is going to serve this outer purpose of stepping out in the community and business, all right? So... That's a little bit of a chance. I want you to try and make that connection now. All right? So what is the kingdom thing? But what is one way, what is one cup that you can take out of the dishwasher, so to speak, in order to grow in that and, and sustain and support that? All right, give that a go. A couple of minutes. All right. Good, good work, team. Good work. You're all buzzing away, so there must be a lot that you're chatting with. I'm going to give you an opportunity. You can carry on after we wrap up. I do need to close now because there's kids to be gathered. So if I've just stirred something and you're bubbling away and maybe you're still unpacking that, hey, look, have a chat over a coffee. Keep that going. Small groups, connect groups, uh, dinners, whatever. Um, let's keep going with that because as we learn to grow in this balance and walk in this kingdom and community, I believe that God's going to really sustain us and an amazing work for him. So why don't we stand? I'll just quickly close us in prayer. The kids are going to be, wrapped, uh, be picked up. Um, but thanks for, uh, for giving that a go, guys. <laughs> Father, I thank you that you're about a good work in us. I thank you that you've got great things in store for us. I thank you that you're calling us as a people to walk in the knowledge that we are your children and we are called to bless the nations. That promises of Abraham are true for us today. Thank you, Father, for that. I also thank you, Father, that you're doing a work in us. Thank you, Lord, that you're transforming our hearts Thank you, Father, that you are a gentle, loving Father who doesn't condemn us, but longs for us to be sanctified by the Spirit and walk in freedom and love. And Lord, I pray that you'll teach us what it means to walk with that balance, Lord, and keep breathing on us and, and working in us in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Sweet. Thank you.